I want to give you a, a brief definition of the kingdom before we get started. So anytime that I talk about the kingdom, we'll kind of know what it is. Um, if anyone hears the term heaven or kingdom of heaven, what is the first thing where your minds go to? Anybody? Something far away. Far away. Over there. Streets of gold, right? Pearly gates. Pam? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know the answer, but... What's a traditional answer that we don't already know? Yeah. A traditional answer, would, would, and what I thought for a long time was the same thing. My mind would immediately go to what I'd been taught, which was it was very distant, very far away. You've got to die to get there. I mean, it was, it was a bit morbid, to be honest. It was a lot of, a lot of uh, distance and, uh, yeah, Bill? This is an awful place, but it will be okay when you get there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, good luck with life now, but it's going to be better one day. Just, just hold on. Just hold on, right? <laughs> And what a miserable place to be, like, to live. Um, and it, it frustrated me when I first, uh, when I was born again and began to study Scripture, and I was just like, something's not right. And, and, and before I met Tracy, I bounced around a few churches, and then we, we bounced around because we were completely different ends of the spectrum as far as style go. I was more uh, charismatic church, and she was more, um, I guess, more traditional style. And so it was, it, was, it was a lot of learning on what all this looked like. And what we found, especially in our church, is none of that stuff ever mattered. It wasn't, it wasn't about all that. Um, and us together as a couple had learned that through the years. I think the Lord planned that that way, that um, it wasn't about the styles. It was just about Jesus, and so that's how we ended up here. And any time that we get off of that subject, any time we get off of Jesus towards uh, doctrinal issues that, that we really get focused on, I think we've got to be really careful with that because I think we get really close, if not stepping into heresy, because what happens is we begin to focus on not Jesus. <laughs> we begin to focus on the styles in the way that we in the way or, or the, the way in which we do things and not the actual things that we're doing. Side note, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Um, kingdom of heaven. It's not, it's not as far as you think. <laughs> uh, the, the issue with the distance is that that idea changes the way we live our lives, right? Does it not? Um, the, one of the main things was you had to die to get there. That's a pretty big thing. And we've talked about if, if, if heaven is the goal and we have to die to get there, we should just hold everybody a little longer when we baptize them and send them on their way, right? I mean, if that's the goal, but we found, what we found through the years is the goal is not heaven. Everybody take, take a deep breath. The goal for the Christian is not heaven. The goal is a restored relationship with the Father. That's the goal, and Jesus did that. He accomplished that goal. He accomplished a goal that, that man and God could dwell again together, that we could now be, that he, his, his presence is in just temples, but his presence is within us, and we are now temples. Um, and so once we realize that, we begin to, that distance begins to get, closer and closer, and we realize that heaven is not so far away. So when we talk about uh, heaven, the, a good biblical definition uh, is from Romans fourteen seventeen. You don't have to turn there, but you can, you can write down if you want to. It's for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So a, another definition would be wherever God is, heaven is. It's pretty simple. I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible. Wherever God is, heaven's with him. He doesn't run around without it. It's, it's his kingdom. Wherever he goes, his kingdom goes with him. So now when we talk about heaven and kingdom of heaven, by the way, which was, this was only, Jesus' only message the whole time he was on earth was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was his primary message to mankind was that the kingdom of God is, is right here. It's in our midst. And I'm pretty much right in front of you. And so when we talk about kingdom of heaven and heaven, heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The difference in now and when we do die one day and go to heaven is Right now, it's in the Holy Spirit. That's where we have... Where's the Holy Spirit? Anybody? It's in us, right? That's why I said it's better that I go so that I can send you my Holy Spirit because it can be with you always to the ends of the earth. 
So if the Spirit is with us, what else is with us? Jesus. Heaven, right? Heaven is in your heart. It's not just a destination for when you die one day. And a, a, a bit of a sub-idea, I guess you could say, of that is killing yourself daily. Have you, have you ever heard that? Um, a lot of people use the scripture inaccurately of, of Paul talking about him dying daily. He was legitimately being persecuted, <laughs> and he faced death daily. He wasn't saying he killed himself every day. Listen, Christ died once and for all. That's it. He didn't say it's kind of finished. He didn't say it's almost finished, but you need to do this. He said, look, it is completely finished. I died for you so that you could have boldness when you, when you come to the throne. So if we establish all that, we put that, we put that in, it, in its proper place, and we realize that, that heaven is not just a destination that we get to one day, but is actually wherever God is. And, and God went through all this trouble of sacrificing his son, having him ascend, and sending us the Holy Spirit, I think not so that, that we would be stressed out about this issue, right? So that we would think that there's some distance between us. I think he, he sent the Holy Spirit, which he says as a comforter, as an advocate, to continue to remind us of that. All right, let's get into the scripture. <laughs> my mic is on my left, so when I turn left, I get loud. Sorry, I wore a t-shirt today, Mike. <laughs> uh, which this is my uh, Worthy as a Lamb That Was Slain t-shirt I got from Jeremy Thrash. That's a pretty cool shirt. His, his, he's an awesome guy. He's a, a Christian friend of mine. He's a rapper, and his rapper name is Money. And I was joking around this morning. I was like, I put my money where my mouth is. And Daniel said, you put your money in money's money. It's <laughs> pretty good. All right. I digress. John 17, 13. This is, I'm going to springboard. This is from last week, so I'm going to springboard off what we were talking about last week into what I want to talk about today. John 17, 13 is Jesus praying. How many of you think that we should pay attention when Jesus prays? Do you think, do you think that Jesus' prayers are answered? Do you, think, do you think Jesus has good motives when he prays? Yeah, I would say so. This is Jesus praying to the Father. First, he's praying for his disciples, and he prays for us. Really, he's praying for us through the whole thing because he says, my prayer is not just for them, but also. So his prayer is for all of us, but he's going to start specifically with his disciples. Um, in verse 13, John 17, 13. He says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. He's talking to the Father. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them, what is heaven? Remember, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, so, so that my joy will be within them. Verse 14, I've given them your word, and the, and the world has hated them, for they are not of, of the world any more than I am of the world. So he's establishing there's a different realm going on here. There's a spirit realm, and then there's an earthly realm. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. This has been a, a, a big idea, especially when I was growing up in churches before I even went to church, that it, we, we all need to be afraid and hide until we're snatched out of this place. And Jesus is pretty clear when he tells the Father, listen, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the, even though, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, so they too may be sanctified. So Jesus goes on to pray. This is going on, kind of spreading that towards us too. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now you're going to hear this a lot throughout this whole, this whole message. You are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Man, that's a powerful statement. I have given them the glory that you gave me. This is Jesus talking to the Father. That they may be as one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Let's stop there for a minute. How many of you realize that that God loves you like he loves Jesus? I know that's a very basic statement, but let that sink in for a minute. Part of this identity crisis that I think the church comes into is that we don't think that we're compatible with God anymore. We think that sin has separated us. Although it did, Christ has come to reinstate our relationship with the Father. Listen, he created you. He knows how you work. His joy that he gives you is not laced with guilt and shame. His joy is pure joy because he made the stuff. The love he gives you is not love based on what you can do for him. His love is based on what he can do for you because he is love. He's made of the stuff. Does that make sense? So now instead of trying to reach some spiritual high or some intellectual high or whatever, whatever you want to think that you want to get to, now you receive from him and you operate from that place. Do you see the difference? There is a, um, an, an identity issue when we, when we try to seek, especially when we try to seek something that we already have. The, the problem with that is it's, it's almost like spiritual schizophrenia because we, we don't know who we are. And so when we try to portray to other people, hey, you need to come know this Lord that I know, and then we misrepresent him by not even really knowing him. We think he's against us. And so we confuse people. We turn God the Father into the Godfather. And we, and we mix people up when we do that. And it's all from, from trying to live towards a place that we're supposed to be living from. He is source. We are to abide in him. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved, and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. This is so good. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you, have, you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make them known, or will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I, my, I myself may be in them. All very powerful statements. We're going to break this down, at least verse 26. Verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. How will he continue to make him known to us? Holy Spirit. Exactly. You guys are good. Why will he, make, why will he continue to make the Father known to us? It says it right after it. In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is Jesus' prayer for you. So where are you? Where are we placed? We're placed in Jesus, him and us, and us and him. Where is Jesus? These are simple questions, but very profound, I promise you. Christ in us and us in Christ is a radical thought, and it's very hard for us to process that up here. I may be speaking for myself. Maybe you guys have it all together. That's difficult for me sometimes when I walk around in this physical realm that, I, that we live in. Anybody else have issues sometimes? I find things that I don't agree with, and I don't know that God doesn't agree with that happen in life, and I'm frustrated by them, right? I think we all get that way. The only thing that gives me a little bit of sanity and a lot of hope is that I... I see also Christ working in all these situations. Even when I can't see them physically in the spirit, I see something else happening. 
This is, this is Christ in us and us in Christ. There is, there is, there's a love that we can't fathom that he gives us that we can share with other people. Um, we talk about R&D, receive and distribute. We have to be able to receive something to be able to distribute it. We have to be a conduit of that love. If we try to work up our own ability to do it, then we're depending on what? Our own self-righteousness and our own ability to, to, to make something happen that only God can do. Let me, uh, let me try to give you some examples. Something, I've got a few, I love using real world examples because they're real <laughs> and they're easy to tell because they're stories that I know specifically. One was just this morning, uh, Janet, you posted something this morning. I, I know you didn't even know that I was going to put you on the spot. Um, was it Ray? Yeah. Ray leaned over, was it yesterday or yeah, last night, last night leaned over and just said he loved you and it was something that you needed to hear, Right. So listen, this is how cool this is. This is how much God loves us that he uses a child to affirm something in an adult. As, as casually as that, listen, don't, 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 don't over-spiritualize it, don't under-spiritualize what happened there. Here's why. There, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Christian too, and I love this guy. I'm not trying to talk bad about him or anything, but, um, but we were having a conversation about something, and if you guys know me, I'm into... Jeeps and cars and motors and jet ski. If it has a motor, I'm interested in it. I just like mechanical things. And uh, we were talking about going. There's a new go-kart place in Mississippi. It's supposed to be some pretty fast go-karts. And I don't have a race car, but I can race a go-kart because I don't have to buy it. Uh, and so uh, we were talking about that, and, and we mentioned it. He said, yeah, I was thinking about getting a group of guys together. And we were thinking about even with our church making it like an outreach. I was like, well, that's cool. But what struck me, and I think it was the, the Holy Spirit struck me in a way that I used to be and I've kind of come out of is, we try to over-Christianize and over-church everything. Why can't we just go ride go-karts sometimes? Here's why I say that. It doesn't mean that there won't be an outreach, but we always try to put labels on things to make them more churchy, right? I spent all day yesterday, I only planned on, as, as is per most mechanical things, I only planned on spending a few hours working on something and it ended up being late at night by the time I got home. And by the way, I thank my wife for her patience. <laughs> uh, again and again. Um, she's very patient with me, but what started out as a few hour job turned into an all day job. And what's cool about that is I got to spend some time with a guy that I don't know very well. And in the process of getting to know him, um, I know the Lord loves him, right? I, I want more than anything for him to know the Lord. And from what I, from what I gather, he does not know the Lord. Um, but in, at no time in, in this one day that I got to know him, did I even mention anything about Jesus. Uh, that sounds pretty bad. But here's the thing. I'm not in a rush, and I don't think the Lord's in a rush. My heart for him is to get to know him with no strings attached. What will naturally come out of that relationship will be me expressing how much the Lord has done in my life. It just so happened it didn't come up yesterday. There's been times when I've been on a trip with a, a, a fellow, a co-worker, where it came up pretty quick. And we got to have heart to heart and talk about the Lord the whole trip, all the way to Birmingham. No two things, are, they're not the same. We, we don't need to paint a picture of how that's supposed to look. We don't need to label it as outreach and do all these things because we, we want to create all this structure so that it looks right and it sounds good. When we should be doing this all the time, and we need to, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit day by day, moment by moment. Listen, he, the, the thing I've told you the last few weeks too is the more that I see um, coincidences, the, the less I really feel like there are many, very many coincidences. Now there are some but a lot less than I originally thought. Most of the things that I see as coincidences are divine interventions or, or opportunities for me to see the Holy Spirit working 
in and through me and in and through other people if you'll just look for it. Um, there's been instances, and I've told you guys, where I would scroll through Facebook and somebody would be, for some reason, somebody that I don't, I'm not real connected with was highlighted, and I would begin to pray for that person, right? Or I'd send them an encouraging text or something because for some reason the Holy Spirit was putting them on my heart. I'm not trying to build myself up. It's not me, I promise. And I would text them and say, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. And they would tell me and say, some of it's you. You guys know. In the same way people have done it to me, call me to encourage me. And it's in a time when I need to be. All that is is being sensitive to this Holy Spirit that God's gone through all this trouble to give us that sometimes we don't, we don't get it up here. That's why it tells us to, the Bible continues to tell us to renew our minds. Renew your mind to this reality. You're in, you're in a physical realm right now, and that's okay. Um, you're going to deal with physical things. But if you recognize that there's, there's something else going on, a parallel realm, which is the kingdom, and it's in your heart, and it's, it's the place from which you draw everything, you can begin to bring restoration to places. You guys know, I've told you before, the vision I got up in youth when I was youth pastor years ago about walking out of these, door, these double doors here and then out there, I saw a puzzle coming together. It was almost like a zipper, but it was puzzle pieces. And they were coming together, not just as me, but as everybody walked out this door. I only say that to remind myself and remind you guys of, of who we are. We are to carry a spirit of reconciliation outside these doors everywhere we go, not just when we call it an outreach. Now, we, we can have outreaches, and we do have outreaches, and they're great. And they're, they're great places that we can grow and learn, and we can minister to people and help people. But I pray that every one of you have a heart for people, not just because it's what you're expected to do. It's because you, you genuinely want to do it. Do you see the difference? It's not a cop-out. It's, it's a, I believe it's a mature church when the church, and most of you I know already do that. It's a mature church when the, when the believers begin to minister to people outside of organized groups. All right, I've chased that rabbit far enough. We have to we have to establish establish. I can't even talk. We have to establish proximity and presence before we can really understand and exercise dominion. Who you are will determine what you do, not the other way around. There is an identity that we find if we find ourselves righteous in Christ that we can begin to operate from that place instead of trying to gain something that we already have. The mindset of an orphan is, I need, I need, I need. <laughs> the mindset of a son is, I have, I have, I have. Right? The orphan looks in through the window wanting, needing something. But a son opens the door <laughs> and goes in and has access to everything that the father has. Mark used to say this, and I continue to say it. My kids don't have to ask me to get food out of the cupboard. They just get it. Trust me, I can't get any snacks because I eat them all. I know that they have full access to the cabinet, to the pantry. I'm fully aware. But they know that they don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops and say certain things that get me to go, you know what, okay, I'll give you food today. Let that sink in a minute. This is, this is the, 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 the strange version of Christianity that I was originally trying to understand that I couldn't quite grasp why God the Father was so mean. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to put it. As a, as a new child of a father, be, with a father being misrepresented as someone who was not out for my best interest, to be honest, that he was just out to get business done. The cool thing is that um, our father desires a relationship with us over what we can do for him. I said last week, and I, I made a post about it, we, we put so much confidence in our ability to hear, but we, we don't put confidence in God's ability to speak. He's God. 
He's not, he's not, he doesn't have a problem communicating with us. I've had times when God whispers things to me, and I've had, God, I've had times where I feel like God was screaming in my face and everything in between. Do you know what that is? You know what that's called? A relationship. Right? There's times when, when Trace and I talk, I always use Trace and I as an example just because she's the closest one I'm to and we're in the, the closest relationship that I have. There's times when she needs to get my attention and she'll get my attention. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right where it is because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but there's also times when she just encourages, I mean, they're all encouraging, but there's also times, <laughs> ah, I knew I was going to do it. There are also times when she just, she just sends me something or texts me something or just, whisper, you know, is, is quiet and is, and is that way. There's <laughs> sometimes when she's not quiet. There's and everything in between. But this is the way relationships work. Actually, oh, yeah, shut up. Thank you, thank you, buddy. All right, this is the way relationships work with everybody. There's friends that I have that I think um, are are pretty much on the right path. They're you know I don't have to really encourage them as much. And there's some that are just all over the place. And occasionally I just need to say, hey man, what are you doing? You know, where what's what's your what's your intentions? What are your goals? Where are you going with this? And that all comes within the context of relationship. Um, <laughs> John fourteen twenty six says, but the advocate, or another version says a counselor or comforter, but the advocate or the counselor, the teacher, the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Yes, that's awesome. John sixteen seven says, but but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. I talked about this last week too. I talk about it all the time because it's awesome. Unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the teacher will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove or convict or convince uh, the world to, to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you, cannot, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, but uh, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So let's look at who's convicted of what here. The first one. One's convicted of sin, because people do not believe in him. What is the sin? Non-belief. Who is that? Lost people, right? So who's convicted of sin? Lost people. Second one, righteousness. Because I'm going to the Father where you cannot see me no longer. What did he say happens when he goes to the Father? He's going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit. That's to us. He's going to convict us of righteousness. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Third one, judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is Satan. He's going to be judged. So he's, he's telling everybody what's going to happen. I'm going to do all this stuff. You don't have to worry about it. Everybody calm down. <laughs> I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to do all the judging. I'm going to take care of all the sin, all the righteousness, all the judgment. I'm going to do all that. I'm, I'm doing all that for you. And I'm, I'm explaining it as clear as I possibly can. Now, all the disciples got it. They didn't have a problem at all. I'm joking. They all were very confused. Um, let's see. Let's jump over to Matthew twenty-six fifty-three. Now, I want to go. I want to go through this because when we, I think part of part of our identity is confused about who we are and whose we are in this backwards kingdom that Jesus brought that, that looks a little different than we expected. And I, I kind of touched on that after worship. The, 
this is Jesus when the soldiers were coming to take him. And one of the disciples pulled his sword out and cut an ear off. It says, uh, this is 2653 in Matthew. It says, do you think I cannot call my father and, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Essentially saying, but how else will my father's will be done? What I think is cool about this is, I've heard many sermons about how many is in a legion. Have you all ever heard that? How many is in a legion? How many legions of angels? Now the cool thing about this is, uh, I think a common, common misconception about angels is that they're chubby and porcelain. <laughs> and they have bows and arrows. And uh, they just come around on Valentine's Day. But every angel in, in Scripture that I read, people were f- very afraid when they came around. Like, angels didn't play. I equated, when I taught in youth one time, I equated it to a pit bull. Um, because they're very powerful. But I had a friend who had a pit bull who was the sweetest dog in the world. But if you, if you gave him a command, he would do whatever he needed to do. And he, he could be pretty vicious. And so to me, in the same way I've taught the youth the same thing about meekness, we've transliterated, transliterated meekness into what? Weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus was meek. It was, meekness is power under control. I look at angels the same way, power under control. Listen, he could have summoned 12 legions of angels. You guys know it's over 5,000 in the legions, over 60,000, whatever. But he didn't. That's the key. Don't look, at the, don't look at the legions of angels. And by the way, you don't have a, a guardian angel. You have Jesus. Guess what he has? All of them. <laughs> Sorry, that's another one of my pet peeves. You don't have a guardian angel. You have them all. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's not the issue. Look at what he's talking about here. I, could, I have that power, but I, I choose not to exercise that. Why? Because these aren't my enemies. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's establishing the same thing. There's another realm going on here, and I'm defeating your real enemies. There's something that my Father's doing in me, and I'm listening to him. Here, oh, listen to this. How does, <laughs> how does he know? <laughs> how does he know? Because what do you say? I only do what the Father tells me. He was close. We talked last week about being close to the bosom, close to the heart of the Father. How do we know what we're supposed to do? Same thing. I and him, him and me. Close. We have to be close. This, this, this idea that heaven is far away and, and God is far away and we've got to get him close to us will cripple your ministry. Absolutely cripple it. Why? Because how are you going to know the heart of the Father if he's frustrated with you constantly and you're running around in circles trying to make him happy? I, I, I did not do much ministry in, in several years after I got saved because I didn't know enough. <laughs> I didn't have it all figured out. By the way, I, don't, I still don't have it all figured out. Um, I, I didn't think that, that I was good enough, that I was smart. All these things, all these insecurities that I had that the Lord was always there to fill, I was looking to myself to try to minister to people instead of looking to Him. Now what's cool about, oh man, what's really cool about this, and I hope that you get this. When you... When you go through your lives, when you, when you leave this church, or even when you're in this church too, I hope you do it all the time, if you are close to the heart of the Father, and I believe most of you are, and you just, all you have to do is listen, He will, tell, he will whisper things to you constantly. He may yell them too sometimes, but He will tell you, and if you'll just recognize it and begin to minister to people, you're, I promise you this R&D thing works. Let me see. Did anybody know what a Dead Sea is? A Dead Sea is when it's capped off. When, when someone puts a dam there and it's capped off and it becomes stagnant and things die. If, if we try to receive these things and don't give them, around, give them out to people, that's what happens. It becomes stagnant. We become self-referential and we try to gain this stuff for ourselves. We don't share it with other people. We're doing the opposite of what the Bible tells us to be in living waters flowing through us. 
we can't, let me see, I want to put this. We can't love God and not love people. I only say that because social media makes it very frustrating to be a pastor. Very frustrating. Because I know people that claim that they love the Lord and all I see them do is hate people. Now, I think that for the most part it's with good intentions of trying to help people, but most of the time they are attacking people instead of attacking what's really going on. The, the, uh, the one that calls out, uh, I don't want to get too detailed because it could be anything, but the one that calls out a person who they see is in sin should be the one that has taken them out to eat to get to know them so they can actually minister to them. So for me, the ones that are on social media just blasting all this stuff out that hurts people, it shows me their true intent. And I apologize. I don't think that's any of you. Um, but I, well, I don't apologize. Sorry. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit yelling at you through me. I don't apologize. Be careful with that. If you, if you do pass on some things that, 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 you, that you think are beneficial to people, I promise you it's more beneficial if you actually private message those people instead of attacking them in front of everybody else. It'll be much more productive too, I promise. <clears throat> All right. John 536. I know I'm bouncing around a lot, but do we have those up there? Yeah. Man, Mike, you the man. We got a big Bible. John 5.36 says, I have testimony weightier than, than that of John. For the works the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. Stop there. Jesus was doing things. Jesus walked a lot. Okay? He walked around. He ministered to people. Um, no Uber. He had no, no Uber. Jesus walked everywhere. He ministered to people all the time. We've talked about this a few times. He was on his way to, to, to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And a, a woman touched his cloak, and he made it a point to stop. Now, she was healed regardless, but he made it a point to stop. Why? Because he wanted her to know sozo, to know saved, healed, delivered. He wanted her to be whole, not just be healed. That's why we don't stop with healing. Healing is awesome. We've seen it. We continue to minister healing, but that's just part of the kingdom. We want people to be whole. We want people to know the Lord. So I believe that Jesus, everywhere he went, he ministered to people in any way that, that, that he in any instance, he wasn't interrupted. He would just make it an opportunity. So he made this an opportunity to make her whole, not just heal. Um, so he did all these works. People were healed. Dead were raised. Um, uh, lepers were cleansed. All this stuff was happening around him. So he's saying, look, you see what I'm doing. You see where my heart is. It wasn't just about the things he was doing, but where his heart was. And it was that of the Father. Uh, verse 37, it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does, it, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Now, he's, he's kind of also kind of preclaiming what's going to happen because his word is going to be in us and we will believe. Verse 39, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you, resu- you refuse to come to me to have life. John 14, 1. Can we throw John 14, 1 up there? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house, and the Greek here is mansion. So my Father's mansion has many rooms. 
If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I love this. This is brutal honesty. He's, and I'm going to stop here. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to build you. My father's mansion has many rooms. And where I'm going, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this place so that we can be together. And they're saying, look, we don't know how to get. We have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know the Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I imagine Jesus going, did you not hear what I just said? No, yeah. Verse 9, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Does it sound familiar? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now why? Stop there. Not why. How are we going to do greater things than these? Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They only had Jesus in one place at one time at that time. This is why we're going to do greater things because he's, he's not limited by time and space at all anymore. He is, an, or it's, it's not just his presence in an ark anymore. It's his presence in all of us now. So even greater things are going to be within his people because the Holy Spirit now dwells with us, man and God together. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So you have full access to the Father by way of the Son in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, you study the Scriptures and you're trying to figure all these things out. It's good to understand some things. I'm not saying be ignorant. Understand this is a both-and thing, not an either-or. Study Scriptures. Seek to understand them, but don't limit yourself to that. Embrace mystery, too. I want to encourage you. The, the moment that I embraced mystery, it was after reading C.S. Lewis and not sleeping for about a year. Um, I understood that I'm not going to be able to figure all this stuff out. There are people that are much more intelligent than I am, C.S. Lewis being one of them. Um, And he'll make your brain hurt (laughs) in a a good way, but at the same time, I understood that there are people that are going to understand things better than I understand them. And it took a while for me to understand that I I, I could be okay with that. It doesn't mean I'm ignorant or that I don't study anymore. It's that I embrace the mystery that is in Christ. And there are things that that if if we're going (laughs) to live outside of our understanding, we have to give up some understanding. So the key is we just listen to the Father. We, li- we stay close. We listen to the Father's heart. We just do what He says. Um, we're going to skip on down just for time's sake. We've got about 10 minutes. Uh, John fourteen twenty three says, uh, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. What teaching? Everything He just said before that, which is what we just read, about Him and the Father, Father and Him, uh, Holy Spirit coming, all that. He's saying, listen, anyone who loves me is going to listen to this teaching. My Father will love them, and we, this is the key, and we will come to them and make our, it says home here, but the same Greek word that he said earlier is mansion. And we will, make, we will come to them and make our mansions with them. This is where I wanted to get today. God's kingdom, his kingdom of heaven, his mansion, this room that Jesus was saying, 
We're going to prepare this place for you, and trust me, there's many rooms that you can live. It's going to be okay. We're going to prepare a place, and I want you to be with me, and I want God to be with you, and me with him, and you with us. <laughs> I want all of us to be together, and I'm, I'm, I want that so bad that I'm going, to, I'm going to see my father's house and his mansion, and we're going to come down to you and give it to you. He says it right here. We will come to you and give you our mansion. The, the idea that we're going to get a great mansion in heaven is just a continuation of the mansion that he's given us in our heart. That's why we get a new body but not a new spirit. You change zip codes and you get a new well-needed body at the end of your life usually. But the spirit goes on because you've already got the mansion and you're just continuing on. We're not looking for literal jewels and gold when we get there. We are just looking for the relationships that we've built on this earth and the relationship we have with the Father because that was his whole goal in this whole thing. From beginning to end, from Genesis to, to Revelation... This is a love story of God and us. To get not to not to sound cliche, but together forever, BFFs. Okay, maybe to sound cliche. <clears throat> so, loving the Son is loving the Father. Does God love Jesus? Yeah. Does God love you? Yeah. This is a simple. This is a simple gospel. Trust me. It's super simple. When we, when we operate from a place of unconditional love, we don't seek to take things from people when we walk out of these doors. We seek to give things away. And I promise you that's true freedom. When you enter into relationships, not just with uh, a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, with everybody that you come in contact with, and you are seeking to gain something from them, you're starting from a deficit. Listen, Christ died that you, so that you could have life and have it abundantly, and he fills all things in every way. Trust me, that includes your emotional needs, your financial needs, everything that you have, he is there to fill it in every way. And he's very creative in the way that he does it. He'll do it through people. He'll do it through absolute miracles that you can't explain. And, and no, no two are alike. <laughs> That's why we don't, we don't try to make this formula up. Well, we should, if somebody has an eye issue, we should tell them to spit in the mud and put it in their eye. No. <laughs> it's, it's every instance is different. Everything is different when... when I get people that ask me a lot of questions. I've told you this. I get into discussions with other pastors and other people in ministry, and they ask me questions. Well, what do you think about that? Well, what if this happened? What if, you know, what if this, you know, prostitute came to your church, or what if this did this, or what if this, you know, if, if this homosexual was here? And they ask me these pointed questions, and all of my answers are the same. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know these these fake people you speak of. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what they're, and they're like, it shouldn't matter. No, it very much matters. Because I don't know, I don't know what's caused them to do the things that they're doing. Do you understand? I don't know what the real issue is because those are just symptoms. The 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 the, the sin is just a symptom of a, of a of a misplaced identity. Amen. Don't give me hypotheticals. I'll shut you down every time. <laughs> Introduce me to the person. Then we'll, we'll get to know them and we'll see what they need. Because my goal is not to to make people that behave badly behave better. My goal is to bring people from death to life because that was Jesus' goal. Yeah. And that's a, big, that's a bigger goal. And that's a better goal. I'll stick with that goal. Jesus raised people from the dead all the time. That's awesome. I want to do that. And not just physically, spiritually. It's just his, it's his MO, man. It's what he does. And I know him. I know him. It's like the elf. I know him. I know him. So I want to encourage you, when, 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 when you walk and talk to people, walk and talk to people knowing that you are loved and they are loved the same way. When you get to know people, understand what they've been through. Get to know their story and don't rush it. There may be times that 
you know, these people are heading towards, you know, absolute destruction. You may need to rush a little bit. But most of the time, I'll tell you probably 99% of the time that I've seen actual transformation of people, it was over a period of at least a year or two before I began to see something happen. And it was investing in people, not just trying to make them do something that I wanted them to do. Because I promise you, even my best intentions can be thwarted. Because I'm still a man, right? I'm going to trust in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to convict them of sin. The Holy Spirit's the one that can make them righteous. The Holy Spirit's the one that reminds me that I'm righteous. Because that's the hardest thing for me to convince myself of. I don't have a problem seeing sin. Sin's pretty obvious. But righteousness, I don't feel righteous all the time, right? I don't know about you guys. I don't feel righteous all the time. I need the Holy Spirit to convict me of righteousness so that I live from that place. Stand up with me. <clears throat> oh, everybody's stretching. Oh. Father, I just thank you that from uh, um, from an orphan's perspective, you demonstrated uh, the love for a son. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, as we continue to fellowship today, and as we we go without a through our lives this week. Father, that we would recognize with our eyes and our ears in this realm that we're in now what you're doing in the Holy Spirit because um, you're doing a lot. <laughs> you're, not, you're not slacking. Um, and so I pray that we see where you're going, what you're doing, and I pray that we draw near and close to your heart and we hear um, where your heart is for people and so that everyone we come, come in contact with, whether it's the, the one that serves us for lunch or uh, the family member that gets on our nerves, or, uh, or whoever it is, Lord, I pray that you bring a ministry of reconciliation there through us. Lord, we are willing vessels to not be dead seas, but to be rivers of living water, overflowing with your goodness to everyone that comes in contact with us. Lord, I thank you that um, we don't have to fear um, bad stuff rubbing off on us, Lord, because we are so full of you that we just spill over your, your grace and your truth to everyone we come in contact with. So, Lord... Just let those atmospheres change when, when your people, your temples, walking, talking temples, enter every place that they go. In Jesus' name, amen.